0: Welcome to Aches and Gains, a weekly talk show covering all aspects of pain and pain relief. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, pain specialist at the Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine. Pain has reached epidemic proportions, and chronic pain affects a staggering 25% or more of the population. Its human impact is real and is felt by infants, children, all the way to older adulthood. But there's hope and there's treatment. This show offers compelling stories of those who found relief, and offers insight into treatments that can ease pain and human suffering. In this half hour, we're gonna focus on one of the most widely used drugs in the world, marijuana. The cannabis plant, also known as marijuana, has been used for many different purposes for more than 12,000 years. It's one of the oldest documented medicines in history, and there are many therapeutic uses. It manages pain, including the pain of childbirth, relieves spasticity from multiple sclerosis or spinal cord injury, reduces nausea, stimulates appetite, and can control glaucoma. On the other hand, marijuana is also the most commonly used illegal substance in the United States and can have some harmful effects. Physicians have been prohibited from prescribing medical marijuana by the federal government since 1942 due to growing concerns over its addictive potential and side effects. Montel Williams is here today to talk about the therapeutic benefits of using medical marijuana to reduce the sharp and electrical pain that he experiences from multiple sclerosis. Johns Hopkins researcher Dr. Ryan Vondray will then discuss the risks of marijuana use, consequences of heavy use, and new drugs in development for treating marijuana addiction.
1: Aches and Gains is sponsored by King Pharmaceuticals, Endo Pharmaceuticals, Neurogesics, and Boston Scientific. Aches and Gains is also available live online. Follow us on Twitter at Dr. Paul and like us on Facebook, Aches and Gains. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. That's paulchristomd.com. If you have questions or comments for Dr. Christo, especially for upcoming shows, please email him at achesandgains at gmail.com. That's achesandgains at gmail.com.
0: Montel Williams is best known as host of The Montel Williams Show, a long running and nationally syndicated talk show. In 1996, he received a Daytime Emmy Award for Outstanding Talk Show Host. Montel was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis in 1999. In the following year, he created the Montel Williams MS Foundation, a nonprofit with focus on research and education. Montel uses medical marijuana to treat his severe neuropathic pain related to multiple sclerosis. He's become a vocal advocate of the therapeutic benefits of marijuana and supports efforts to pass medical marijuana laws in states as well as calling for full legalization. Montel, welcome to Aches and Gains.
2: Thanks for having me.
0: Montel, what have you been working on recently?
2: I'm working on multiple projects that... Or advancing medical science in a lot of different areas. I've expanded my own company and, and probably relaunch a show that is similar to a Montel Worm show, but in a completely new kind of a format within the next year.
0: Tell us about your battle with MS and pain.
2: I, I, I was diagnosed officially with MS in 1999 and then got a backup diagnosis in the year 2000. Unbeknownst to me, I was in the middle of what was then, I would have to say, my most serious bout with neuropathic pain. And I, my left leg became extremely weakened. and was weakened. I had extreme neuropathy, neuropathic pain in my lower extremity, a uh, patch of it in my side, my right side. And 10 years ago, which started off as just very, very faint, every now and then burst shock. Trigeminal neuralgia has turned into fully bone. Trigeminal neuralgia on the right side of my face. When you strike your crazy bone, you know, we call it a crazy bone because we act as if it's funny, but it's not. That hurts. <laughs> yeah. But if you take that strike right there and just make that continue, that's what I go through. I get that strike, and it will reverberate for 25 to 30 minutes before it starts to calm down. So this happens to me while I'm in front of a camera from time to time, and you'll see a jolt in me, but then I have to fight it so you can't see it on my face until I get off that camera.
0: Wow, it seems like a long time lapse between the onset of your symptoms, and the time that the diagnosis was finally made.
2: I, 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 I'm diagnosed, probed, needled, and poked more than anybody alive for years. I went through every aspect of pain mani- management that you can think of, from psychological management, one psychiatrist, psychiatrist, psychologist. You, you name it, I will tell you, I've taken it if it's an uh, opium-based uh, drug uh, for pain management. It really wasn't of any help for me. As a, as a younger person, I experimented with marijuana use back then. Stopped. and Went in the military for 22 years, and while in the military, over that 22-year period of time, you know, I got tested over and over and over again. So I truly stayed away from and was not a proponent of, of drug use. And then, you know, I joined the military. and yeah, it's kind of cool. Why not? You know, what I mean, I mean, yeah. I joined the military. Joined the television world and the entertainment world and. You know, I ventured out there. But the bottom line is um, my use of marijuana before my pain of, of MS was maybe once every four months.
0: So you've moved from recreational marijuana use to medicinal use to help alleviate your MS pain?
2: In the last, now for me, nine years in a row, it's been easier on me uh, physically. It's been easier and more made, has made it more, um, given me the ability to function, to work, and that is by you've been using medicinal marijuana in various forms from edible to smoking only when I really need immediate cessation. And I utilize it when I'm sleeping at night and things like that to deal with some of the symptoms that I have and again, I think it helps you deal with the pain a little better though, you know, there's, there's research that's confirmed the fact that the same receptors on the end of your nerve endings that pick up pain, pick up tetrahydrocannabinoid and cannabidiol which seems to be the spot that blocks your brain's ability to process the two at the same time so it kind of gives a, a non-euphoric but almost a pain buffering so I get that and also get an get a immediate cessation of spasticity and cramping and twitching when I'm sleeping. So if I eat at night before I go to sleep, I can kind of reduce the level of spasticity I get while I'm sleeping. And so that's been my main course of action.
0: I'm Dr. Paul Cristo and you're listening to Aches and Gains.
1: Aches and Gains is sponsored by King Pharmaceuticals, a leading pharmaceutical company focused in specialty-driven markets, including pain management, and dedicated to improving and protecting quality of life for people around the world. If you have questions or comments for Dr. Christo, especially for upcoming shows, please email him at achesandgains at gmail.com. That's achesandgains at gmail.com.
0: And we're back. Montel, how did you first learn that marijuana might help with your pain?
2: Believe it or not, you know, the Internet is a wealth of information, even back then. I even had a doctor talk to me about the fact that, you know, that they know for a fact that there's been studies that have proven that marijuana worked on things like spasticity. I was looking for that before I was looking for pain cessation. I thought I would get the break and be able to go to sleep. Because, you know, it's another thing people don't understand. When you suffer from the pain and the pain level that I have and other people who have this type of pain, when you're sleeping at night, your pain can wake you up in the middle of your sleep. I get one and a half, two hours of sleep in a row. I have to get up and walk around to see if I can dampen my feet to go back to sleep for another hour and a half. And I was doing that for seven years. Wow. Getting less than five, six hours. I would, I, I've never got four to five hours of sleep in a row in the last seven years.
0: So what, what different forms of marijuana have you used to get it into your system?
2: first, I tried it just by smoking. It didn't work. It seemed to make the pain a little bit more sensitive. But then all of a sudden, somebody said, try eating it. So now I use a combination of eating it and and smoking it to dampen it down. That, and, and really, honestly, when I'm at home, like I am right now, I get an opportunity to vaporize. So, you know, and as I vaporize, which means I'm not actually incinerating the green matter, you know, I'm just taking off of it the active ingredient, That seems to just buffer down that pain and make it a little bit more manageable. If I I take three Oxycontins in a car before I show up, I'm not going to be delivering any lines. Forget it.
0: Right. You know, a couple of recent studies have shown that smoked marijuana is also effective for treating chronic pain of HIV and neuropathic pain. Some argue that smoked marijuana shouldn't be used as a medical treatment for patients because it leads to impairment in thinking and risks addiction. I mean, how do you feel about that concern?
2: That's also incorrect because the research isn't completely done. In smear marijuana, if you mix the, the levels of CBD, THC, and CBN, you can change the effect. And there's a brand-new study that just came out out of Israel that has proven that the smoke, there's something in the vapor of marijuana that inhibits the formation of blood supply to tumors brain tumors and also lung tumors.
0: Well, you know, speaking of studies, some believe that science has ushered in a new age of research on the action of cannabinoids since the discovery in the 1990s of a system in our body that uses similar chemicals to THC, which is called the endocannabinoid system, and that suppresses different pain conditions. I mean, my sense is that cannabinoids may no longer be thought of as merely drugs of abuse. Rather, the key is to develop forms that are effective in alleviating pain and spasms while reducing side effects.
2: Absolutely. And that's really what should happen. And that's really what I'm setting about doing right now. And I'm working very well. I, I, I'll give you an opportunity in about a month to even, I'll even get, get contact you and, and bring you out to have, let you take a look at a brand new facility and a brand new way of thinking.
0: Montel, what side effects do you experience when using marijuana?
2: I can utilize my medication four times a day. And walk right out and do a speech. I've not had any memory issues. I had a recent MRI. My brain size. I'm 54 years old, and my brain mass has gotten bigger. <laughs> um, you know, so you know, I don't have any any. Uh, I'm not lethargy issues. No.
0: Uh, no confusion. A, no. No, Change of perception of time or anything? Not
2: none, zip, doo okay. do da. What <laughs> I get is I get to go to sleep for four hours in a row. What I get is I get to stand up right now in my apartment and walk down to the end of the hallway and back without my feet feeling like they're on fire. And you know that's what I've gotten. If I really wanted to sit down and and make an attempt at trying to gain a euphoria out of this, I've got to consume so much of this that it hurts my throat.
0: So Montel, how much pain relief do you experience from marijuana use?
2: If I medicate, I can go from a six to about a four and a half. That six to four and a half makes you not want to go stick your head in the oven.
0: Montel Williams, thank you very much for joining us today on Aches and Gains, and I look forward to seeing your new show.
2: No, thank you so much, sir.
0: Up next, we'll hear from Dr. Ryan Vondre, Johns Hopkins researcher. He'll talk about the risks of marijuana use, consequences of heavy use, and new drugs in development.
1: Aches and Gains is sponsored by Endo Pharmaceuticals, a US-based specialty healthcare solutions company that delivers innovative diagnostics, drugs, devices, and clinical data to meet the needs of patients in areas such as pain, urology, oncology, and endocrinology. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. That's paulchristomd.com.
0: Welcome back to Aches and Gains. I'm Dr. Paul Christo. Here to talk about the risk of marijuana use, consequences of heavy use, and the exciting area of drug development is Johns Hopkins researcher Dr. Ryan Vondre. Dr. Vondre, welcome to the show. Thank you. When, when we talk about marijuana, what is the ingredient that produces the effect?
3: Uh, well, research has shown that uh, there are a number of uh, psychoactive compounds in marijuana, but the one that's primarily responsible for its effects is delta-9-THC. And, is- and the one that's, that's, that seems to be responsible for the intoxication and, and a lot of other effects of the, of the drug.
0: What are some of the typical effects of smoking marijuana?
3: Recreational users typically feel a high a euphoria, relaxation. You'll have an increase in heart rate. You'll have a dryness in the mouth. You'll uh, experience an increase in appetite, often referred to as the munchies. And uh, reddening of the eyes, effects on the cardiovascular system. But uh, yeah, so those are the the most common kinds of things
0: that you'll you'll experience. So so Ryan, um, the munchies may not really be a problem, but what about things like slowed reaction time and impaired short term memory?
3: Um, effects of marijuana acutely on cognitive performance are pretty well established. Uh, it does impair memory. Uh, Off the top of my head, I don't know the distinction between short-term versus long-term memory there. I know short-term memory is certainly affected Uh, long-term. I believe that there's uh, an effect on kind of the encoding of memory there. Uh, Reaction time is not so much, um, but uh, that's also complicated. I don't think that there's a lot of support for that, but there is uh, clear evidence that it affects attention. So uh, when you're thinking about reaction time, if it involves the sustained attention or focus on a stimulus, uh, then yes, you have an impairment in reaction time, but that's usually due to uh, distractibility or uh, failed focused attention. There's also uh, research in uh, uh, showing that uh, kind of unexpected uh, events. So if you're driving and... Uh, something unexpected happens, a dog runs out in front of you. If you're impaired on marijuana, uh, then you're slower to react to that unexpected stimulus, whereas your reaction time to a red light that you can see up ahead is, would not be impaired.
0: Dr. Vondre, are these long-term effects of marijuana use? The
3: types of things that I was just describing are acute effects of marijuana. So that those are the types of effects that occur while they're under the influence of marijuana, and those effects occur within minutes of using the drug and last for a couple hours. Uh, now, after the effects of the drug wear off, uh, there typically are not uh, long-term, uh, you know, those, those, those things would not continue to, to occur there. Um, when you're talking about long-term consequences, there is some evidence that there uh, is some level of impairment in, in memory function in chronic heavy marijuana users compared to controls, but there are some uh, limitations of that research there that prevent us from drawing clear conclusions
0: on that. Thanks, Ryan. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches & Gains. When we come back, we'll ask Dr. Vondre about the endocannabinoids and the effect they have on our bodies.
1: Aches & Gains is sponsored by Neurogesics, a biopharmaceutical company focused on developing and commercializing novel pain management therapies. Aches and Gains is also available live online. Follow us on Twitter at DrPaulCristo and like us on Facebook, Aches and Gains.
0: Welcome back. I'm Dr. Paul Christo. We're speaking with Dr. Ryan Vondre, Johns Hopkins researcher. Tell us about the receptors in the brain for cannabinoids, which refer to all compounds related to THC or tetrahydrocannabinol. Uh,
3: absolutely. So the, uh, uh, the human body is built uh, with an endogenous cannabinoid receptor system and that's how THC and the other cannabinoids in marijuana have their effects. So, um, so far, uh, a couple different specific uh, receptors have been identified within the, the human body. And when we're talking about THC and the intoxicating effects of marijuana, uh, the CB1 receptor, which was the first one identified as predominant throughout the brain, and that's where THC uh, binds and attaches and exerts its effects.
0: Okay. So, in effect, there are natural chemicals in our bodies that act like cannabis.
3: There are, are chemicals within our body that, that bind and activate these same receptors. So, it's a, it's a natural system within our body that uh, a substance within the marijuana plant just happens to also activate. Uh, anandamide and, and 2-AG are the two most predominant endogenous cannabinoid, uh, endogenous meaning within our body um, chemical
0: structures. My understanding is that this natural system or the endocannabinoid system produces important effects in our body.
3: Oh, yeah, absolutely. So uh, as you might expect from the some of the effects that marijuana has, uh, these receptors are affiliated or associated with uh, things like sleep, like appetite and memory, pain, uh, so uh, acute administration of marijuana affects all of those things the same way that these endogenous uh, chemicals uh, help our body regulate those those aspects of functioning.
0: And Ryan, what about the risks of using or smoking marijuana recreationally?
3: The same way that uh, uh, codeine and morphine, if used uh, heavily and uh, with, without control, uh, can have negative consequences the same way you can have with marijuana, where if you repeatedly ingest these chemicals into your body, your body adjusts, compensates, and it it. it dysregulates your, your body's brain chemistry. You know,
0: interestingly, I've read over the last 10 years that the demand for the treatment of marijuana addiction has increased across the globe. Why is that occurring?
3: Uh, well, there are a number of, of likely contributing factors for that. The transition in our and other, uh, you know, kind of Western developed societies towards steering people towards treatment rather than incarceration when they do get arrested for possession or other illegal activities related to the drug. This whole idea that you could become dependent or addicted on marijuana is a relatively new idea, uh, but it's very real. And so treatment clinics are just now opening and being offered to help treat marijuana dependence. So uh, I think just having the availability of treatment for these people is increasing the rates of admissions. Uh, and then some other people have speculated that because marijuana potency has been increasing recently due to uh, a lot of uh, people doing careful breeding of marijuana plants, uh, that that might be a contributing factor as
0: well. Wow, that, that's concerning. I'm Dr. Paul Christo. When we come back, we'll find out what treatments are available for marijuana addiction.
1: Aches and Gains is sponsored by Boston Scientific a leader in microelectric implantable technologies used to treat chronic neuropathic pain. If you have questions or comments for Dr. Christo, especially for upcoming shows, please email him at achesandgains at gmail.com. That's achesandgains at gmail.com.
0: And we're back speaking with Dr. Ryan Vondre. Dr. Vondre, what options are available for the treatment of marijuana addiction? Uh, well, the,
3: the standard treatment for somebody having problems with, uh, with marijuana use is uh, to come in and get outpatient counseling. In terms of medications, uh, myself and other researchers are currently looking for medications that uh, might help with uh, withdrawal symptoms and help get people over the hump, but... Uh, to date, we really haven't established anything that's been effective in the in the clinic.
0: Based on your work, within the next five years, do you see some innovative treatments for marijuana withdrawal symptoms?
3: Uh, I certainly hope so. My hope is that within the next couple of years, we will see some evidence for th- that'll support broader uh, clinical use of some medications to help people uh, stop using marijuana.
0: Dr. Vondre, thank you very much for joining us today. Thanks for having me.
1: Tune in next time when we explore another interesting topic on Aches and Gains. Aches and Gains is sponsored by King Pharmaceuticals, Endo Pharmaceuticals, Neurogesics, and Boston Scientific. If you have questions or comments for Dr. Christo, especially for upcoming shows, please email him at achesandgains at gmail.com. That's achesandgains at gmail.com.
0: This is a question from Kim in Ocean City, Maryland. Are there any studies on how traditional whole food diets and lifestyles may affect the frequency of headaches and migraines? I've suffered nearly daily severe migraines going through menopause and only eliminated them once I adopted an Ayurvedic lifestyle, diet, and daily routine. Kim, to explain to everybody listening... Ayurveda is an ancient healing system from India that dates back about 5,000 years or more. It encompasses a wide range of techniques to treat illness and encourage general well-being. These things include the use of herbs, yoga, acupuncture, diet, uh, massage, and breathing exercises. I'm unaware of studies on whole foods and headaches, or specifically the use of Ayurveda. Ayurveda. However, dietary triggers only affect certain patients with migraines, and each person often has a separate set of triggers. These triggers often include things like alcohol, red wine, processed meats containing nitrites, MSG, aspartame, chocolate, and certain acidic foods. If you're avoiding processed foods by consuming whole foods, then this may contribute to the relief of your headache triggers, and therefore your headaches. And here's a question from Jamie in Provo, Utah. I've been taking Lortab four times a day for four years to help with foot pain. I've seen the same doctor every two months, and I'm not having any side effects. I work part time and take care of my mother. Am I addicted to the Lortab? It has hydrocodone in it. Well, Jimmy, make sure you understand the term addiction because it's really often misunderstood. The addiction is a primary neurobiological disorder with genetic and psychological and social and even environmental factors that cause its development. It's characterized by behaviors in patients like impaired control over drug use, compulsive use, continued use despite harm, and craving. If you're using the medication as directed under the guidance of a doctor and for a legitimate purpose, then the risk of addiction is low, assuming that you don't have a history of addiction.
1: The views and opinions expressed in this radio program are solely the views of Dr. Paul Christo and do not necessarily express the views of this radio station and Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine, nor an endorsement by any or all of them of any of its content. This show provides medical information, not advice. Please consult your personal physician before engaging in any course of treatment or use of any of the techniques or products discussed on this show. Discussion of particular uses of products on this show have not been approved by any of the manufacturers of such products. Aches and Gains is also available live online. Follow us on Twitter at Dr. Paul Christo and like us on Facebook, Aches and Gains. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. That's paulchristomd.com. Aches and Gains is produced by Eric Vore and Dr. Paul Christo. Ty Ford is the audio engineer, and Elsa Langford is the technical consultant and engineer. Thanks for listening. This is Aches and Gains with Dr. Paul Christo.